on a man or a woman. It's the handprint of the Father on a man or woman, the anointing. It's the game changer. It's, the, it's what makes a difference. It, the anointing is what empowers us. You know, I got to thinking about it. When we surrender our lives, well, when we ask Jesus to be our Savior, He saves us. But He needs to be our Lord. And when He's our Lord, when He is genuinely our Lord, we are basically submitting ourselves to the anointing, the Spirit of God. And so we abandon our lives. We become selfless. And the Lord leads. And I want to read that scripture, John 5, 19. Can we put that up, Mary Liz? John 5, 19. And uh, this is... the anointing right here. Then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Now you know the son could have done whatever he wanted, but he was submitted to his father. Son can do nothing of himself. He's really talking about mighty exploits, divine things, his father's will. The son can do nothing of himself. But what he sees the father do, for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner. So when we have that attitude and we have that type of submission, the spirit of God is on us in a big way. So it's, it's up to us to relinquish our right. You know, the kingdom of God is all about who's in control. And the Holy Spirit wants to be in control. And, you know, for him to be in control and lead, we have to be obedient. The Bible says how God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. How God. The anointing is the way God gets things done. The anointing is all about how God wants things and how God does things. The anointing how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it's kind of funny that Jesus of Nazareth, but he could do no great work in his own city, Nazareth. What's, what's all that about? Nazareth. Nazareth. And so what's that all about? Well, they looked at him like I was telling you, as, as, as a carpenter, as Mary and Joseph's son. And so... They didn't receive him as a messenger. And if you don't receive the messenger, you don't receive the message. And if you miss the message of God, you miss life. Uh, we had some people in church doing the... <laughs> it's okay, Peggy. Peggy, you can do whatever you want in this church. You what? I just wanted you to say God bless you. Oh, God bless you. You bless without sneezing. You don't have to sneeze to be blessed, but you bless. Where was I going with this? Sneeze to throw you off. Sneeze seven times. 
Oh, we had some people. You know, some people came to the reunion, and uh, some came out of respect but didn't want to be here. So I don't know if that's respectful. <laughs> and uh, couldn't receive the message because they couldn't receive the person speaking. I told you all that story. I might have walked in my bedroom one day and I was all pumped up, jacked up on the Holy Spirit. And this preacher was preaching on TV. And, you know, man, when you're feeling good, you, you got the range. You know, I mean, it's just. And so this preacher was preaching on TV. And I didn't like the way he looked. I didn't like the way he talked. And I didn't like what he was talking about. And so I just wrote him off. And so anything he said, I wasn't capable of receiving. Didn't matter what he said, how he said it, I already wrote him off. And so I was about to flick him off. I had the little flick in my hand. And he said, I'm talking to a preacher right now. And he ain't listening to me. And, and basically his, he had something, said something about flicking him off. And so he caught my attention. And now my ears are open to what he's saying. And now I can hear the message. You understand? And I'm telling you, the anointing on the word of God is what wakens you up to it. The, the anointing is what stimulates us. The anointing is what gets the father his way. But you have to have ears to hear. And in this city of, that Jesus grew up in, no one could receive him. And so oftentimes in the anointing, the anointing, you know, we say the anointing is hindered or the anointing is stopped or the anointing is quenched and all that can happen. Of course, you know, the, the anointing is not diminished or become smaller because somebody does not receive. But oftentimes circumstances, situations, and people's attitudes prevent the anointing from getting the work done that the Father wants done. And so that's why Jesus couldn't get anything done in that city, not many miracles, because of the attitude of people towards the anointed one. They didn't understand Jesus and who he, they didn't see the Spirit of God on him. You can see the anointing. You can see the Spirit of God. I was watching a, a, a clip, someone, well, I was watching a clip that the man that we're going to help start a church in Costa Rica uh, sent me, and he was in a Rodney Howard Brown meeting, and uh, Dr. Rodney called him up, laid hands on him, and started talking about Costa Rica. And he said, this is all about you going to Costa Rica. This is all about you going to Costa Rica and start a church. And when I watched that, I could see and sense the anointing. It wasn't just words spoken. It was something being imparted in that man. It, it, it was a change. And I talked to him on the phone last night, and I could see and hear and sense the change in him since that importation was given to him. It was basically ascending, an importation of God's ability to do what he's called to do 
in that country. Come on, somebody. And so I love to see the anointing at work. And y'all know, you know, Jesus, everybody painted him in, you know, in the past centuries, put the little halo on his head. And that was just, that's the best they could do to describe the anointing. It was just something beyond a human. And so the anointing is the finger, the handprint of God on a person's life. Isn't that good? So, yes, that's, I didn't, uh, cha, I got a bunch of scriptures tonight. You may not have them all, but put uh, Isaiah 55, 1 up there. I preached on this scripture years ago. I preached on hope for about an hour. I won't tonight. <laughs> um on page 28. I'm so sorry. You ought to have so much scribble scratch on those pages, you know where you are. Ho, oh, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. The question is right here, is anybody here tonight thirsty? I'm not talking naturally. You know, when you get thirsty naturally, I mean, my mouth will, will actually stick together. I mean, it's so dry can't wait to get a good sip of water so uh, the question is is there anybody thirsty if you are come to the waters and you who have no money come buy and eat yes come buy wine and milk without money and without price so what what is that talking about well it's talking about milk it's talking about wine it's talking about food it's talking about buying a substance so we have energy, so we can live, so we, you know, food, nutrients, things we put in our body. But this is not talking about natural food or natural drink. It's talking about only something God can give us to quench the thirst in our lives. I think I told you all this. I came to Jesus not because I was scared of hell and not because I wanted to go to heaven, I had this desire in my heart to find out what in the world am I doing on this planet? What's my purpose? That's what drew me to the Lord, and I began to see purpose in my, in my wife. She was fulfilled. She, was, she had attained something that nothing in this world had given me yet. And so I came to Jesus uh, through that. And so... You know, even Jesus himself said, he says, if, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. So when we drink of the spirit of God, we create this well. You know, well, actually, we drink out of the well of salvation that's actually inside of us. And the more we drink out of the well of our salvation, you understand that well becomes a river. And the Bible says, draw from the well of salvation with joy. So joy is like the bucket, you know, to get the, the goodness of God, the salvation and everything in it out of the well. And so tonight, as we... 
as I'm teaching, I just want you to drink. I remember years ago, I was teaching on healing. And there was a lady sat like the fourth chair right there. And she, I could tell out of the right side of my, uh, my eye, my right eye, that she was getting a little antsy. You ever see people get a little antsy in church? Some people are tired. Some people are whatever. But some people are like receiving. And they're waiting for me to shut up so they can do what they got to do, take a step of faith. And so as I was teaching on healing, this, see, the word, the anointed word of God stimulates people. It awakens people. Arise and shine. It causes you to rise up. And so as I was teaching on healing, this lady was kind of moving around. Then she finally stood up and she was moving around. And I finally pointed to her. I said, I didn't say, what's your problem? I think I said, can I help you? But I meant, what was your problem? What are you doing standing up? She said, I heard enough. I want to get healed. In other words, she had, she had it. She had already received, and, and she knew there was a step by the Spirit, I guess. I don't know. And so I just said, receive your healing, and she did. The Lord touched her. And so the, that's what the anointing does. It, it goes beyond a teaching. It goes beyond preaching. It goes beyond mental assent. It goes beyond just knowledge. The anointing is the ability of God in his word to produce what the word produces. Life, restoration, deliverance, whatever it is. Is that okay? All right. Uh, let's go down on page 28 uh, real quick. There's an anointing within us. And uh, we're going to put these scriptures up real quick. John 14, 26. The anointing enables us to be taught by the great teacher, the Holy Spirit. But the helper, how many of y'all know? Y'all know what the helper does? This, this is a revelation. You got to catch this. He helps. <laughs> but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things. Pretty powerful. You can know what you need to know when you need to know it. And bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. And so as you read the word of God, oftentimes, even in this Bible school, you, you may not have the capacity, or you don't. I don't either. That's why I have a curriculum. I don't have the capacity just to remember everything on every page and just go through it. You understand? You don't have that capacity either. Maybe some do, but we don't. And so, but the Holy Spirit can bring to our remembrance the things Jesus said. And so oftentimes we're talking about preaching and ministering in the power of the Holy Spirit. So when you're ministering to people, if you're submitted to the Holy Spirit, sensitive to the Holy Spirit, he can just bring scriptures. He can bring his sayings to you. Or maybe some things he showed you. He can bring them to your remembrance. They'll just, they'll just come out of your spirit and you'll just find yourself just speaking them. Also, uh, to be guided and directed by the Holy Spirit, John 15, uh, 16, 13. We're just going to put all of those up there one at a time, Mary Leah. You're doing a great job. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you things to come. 
Notice the Holy Spirit is not speaking on his own, not doing on his own. And we also read that Jesus is not speaking in on his own and not doing on his own. So when it comes to us as anointed preachers, we need to be hearing what the Spirit is saying. You understand? So it's not about us. Listen, the Lord anoints us and gives us authority to do his will, not ours. It's his anointing, it's his authority for his will. I kind of feel like I'm being used. And that's, that's, we're just a vessel. And you better, that's how we need to get used to that. Just God uses us as a vessel. It's his anointing, it's his power, it's his way, it's his will, it's his authority to get his result. We're just stand-ins. We stand in the stead of Jesus. We stand in the place of Jesus. We have his name, which represents him. Y'all with me? So we're, we're acting accordingly, the same way as Jesus did. He, stuck on, he was stuck on the Father. To walk in divine love, Romans 5, 5. Now, hope does not disappoint. In other words, if hope is something set before us, hope is something God presented to us, and faith brings it in our day today. Now, hope does not disappoint us, because if God said it, he watches over his word to perform it. And oftentimes, you know, the Lord shows us things, and, and it gives us hope. Anybody ever come to a service? and you were down and out and depressed, and then you left and you had hope because you, you, your eyes were put on something that the Lord showed you, and now you have hope and you have confidence and you have somewhat of a surety that this could come to pass. So now you're standing in faith, you understand, trusting in God that it will come to pass. So hope never disappoints us if it's God's hope. Because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. And so this is why I hope in the Lord and I trust his promises because he loves me. He doesn't want to hurt me. He wants, he, I, he, ha, shoko, breketa. My best interest is in him. Amen. I heard you have a good testimony. But didn't that give you hope, what God is doing? You, you expected him to do some things, but he started doing it. And because of that, it gives you hope. He hadn't done everything yet, but what you saw him do was begin to change you, open your eyes so you're seeing differently. Isn't that exciting? <laughs> Anybody else have a testimony from this past week? Sue, what is it? something <laughs> yes okay um i went to my mother's on monday and there was a lady there cleaning her house yeah that's and powerful. um i was just sitting down talking to her and i noticed that she kept going 
sighing a lot. And I said, something wrong? And she said, I'm just in pain. My body, my whole body hurts, aches all the time. And um, it was Miss Belinda. <laughs> Did she tell you? Okay. So anyway, she said that she had uh, uh, some pallets of wood had fallen on her back when she was younger. I didn't even know that. And it injured her spine. And as she's gotten older, she has arthritis in her spine from all of the injuries and everything. And then fibromyalgia, all kind of stuff. And I said, well, I'm going to pray for you. And I really felt the anointing. I mean, I felt it really strong. So I laid hands on her and, and I said, okay, now do something that you couldn't do before. So she started raising her arms up. And she stopped about right here, and and she, and she said, and then she kept going higher and higher, and she said, oh, something's happening. I never could do this. I, I couldn't raise my wow. arms this high before. Wow. She said, I have not been able to do this in years, raise my arms all the way up. And so I was, I mean, I was like, thank you, Jesus. And I was praising the Lord, and my, my mama, 93 years old, she comes over, and she said, you know, I got healed in my house before, too. <laughs> a, a friend of hers had prayed for her, and her feet got healed. And so anyway, I said, I said, well, let's, let's pray for the rest of you, too. I said, I, no, I said, do something else. Do something else that you couldn't do. So she said, okay, I, I, I normally it hurts me to bend over. So she started bending, and then she, she said, oh feel pretty good and then she she said I'm gonna try to put my hands flat on the ground and she did come on that yes is, wow. so I mean she was like and she kept walking around she kept doing this and she kept bending over and I and she I said how you feel she said I feel pretty good and she said I'm just I'm, I thank the Lord I thank the Lord I talk to him every day and I just thank the Lord and I said okay go clean my mama's house <laughs> And just as you clean and just keep thanking him. Now, I haven't talked to her since. She's so well. In Jesus' I, I name. I believe that she's healed. She received. She, yes. she had a manifestation. So ask her about it when you see her. And, and uh, just, it was awesome. So, it was so powerful. You know I, what I normally do? You try this. Is that, you know, don't pray for people just a courteous prayer to be nice. I mean... Be nice, but when you pray, you pray a prayer of faith that they could get saved and restored and healed. And so expect for something to happen. Matter of fact, tell people God's a healer and he wants to heal you. And so this is what, this is what I want you all to begin to practice. Uh, once you pray for somebody, the prayer of faith, ask them to do something that they couldn't do before. In the Bible, the guy had a withered arm, and Peter, was it Peter? No, it was Paul. It was Paul. He said, stretch out your arm. Well, how do you stretch out an arm with no muscle and no bone? How do you do that? You don't. It's by faith, just like the lady. She stood up. She was ready, and she was just waiting for me to say to do something. That's all. I said, be healed. She received it. And so oftentimes, people just need a place of faith. They need a place to step out in. 
And so always challenge the person that uh, you pray for. That's why when we preach, we have an altar call. I just like to challenge people. I like them to step into what's been said or what's been preached so they can step out in faith. And those that do it, you know, Jesus saw faith in people. He saw Zacchaeus in the tree. He saw a blind man born a mess. He heard him. And so Jesus, he saw the, uh, the, the lame man that the four men carried. He saw faith in all of them. And so when I'm praying for people, I don't close my eyes. Man, I'm, I'm waiting for an arm to grow out. I got expectation, waiting for eyes to open, wait to see a deliverance. I'm, I'm waiting for something to happen. It's not just to be nice. If I go to the hospital, I'm going to get you out the hospital bed. Not to just come say hello and, you know, we'll do that. We'll be nice, but pray. Somebody say pray. Ray, you have a testimony? Which back? <laughs> no, I don't know. Do you have a testimony? Well, God healed me Saturday morning. And, uh, man, I tell you, you know, anybody in here ever have a backache? Yeah. It's crippling. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, it just hurts your whole body. And Brother Husky asked anybody with uh, spinal injuries or problems to come up. Healed me, you know, and uh, been, been walking fine ever since. We went to visit, yeah, praise God. And we went to visit Mary's sister who fell uh, a year or so ago and hurt, her, hurt herself. And, and then, I mean, she just couldn't, she was in a chair. But the best thing she could do is get up and go to bed. That was, that was, that was her life for the last year or so. So we went to visit her s- Sunday and oh, we went to bring we went to bring her some stuff for her back, some some uh, liniment oil for her back. And we were sitting there, and God said, "Go go pray for her. Don't just give her the oil, but pray for her." So we we started praying, and man, the spirit of God came upon us, and and uh, and, and and I just felt virtue going out of me and going into Donna, and she started laughing, and and I, and she hadn't laughed in a long time. You ask Donna how she's doing, she you know. Typically, she's going to tell you how bad she's doing. I can't move. I'm hurting this. This is hurting. That's hurting. And that, was, that had become her life, talking about her pain. You talk to her about anything, it's going to be about her pain. Her pain was just overtaking her. Mm-hmm. And so we prayed, and the Spirit of God just came upon her. And I did like you did. I said, Donna, get up. And, man, she went to grab that walker and just, just popped up without even really grabbing the walker. I mean, just I said, Donna, what you doing? She said, I feel good. I feel good. So we called her the next day. Donna, how you doing? I'm, feel, I'm doing good. I'm doing good. So God is in the healing business. Come on. Good testimony, Ray. And listen, you know, it, you know, in these meetings this weekend, you might have heard some things you never heard before. But actually what happened, you were saturated in the spirit. You were under the word for a period of time. And so, you know, you think, you begin to think different. And so you're activated, you're stimulated, you're encouraged on the inside. And uh, I heard about your testimonies. And anyway, I, I think all, you've been faithful. That's one thing. 
but being in the presence of God, being under the word of God, you became more confident. You went out there with more expectation. I think it's always been the plan of God, not that you did anything wrong in the past, but God just put something in you and just set it up on the other end that you got all of these tremendous results from people that maybe you never got before. It's the anointing. That's what it is. It's, it's, it's the anointing. Listen. Oh, Wanda, come on. You got a good testimony? What you got, Wanda? Anyone who had back problems or spine problems, I have several bulging discs. I had a herniated disc. I have spondylosis. Well, I say head um, in the, my upper and lower spine. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, as soon as he, like, just touched my back right there, I just it was like instant relief. Right. I haven't had any pain whatsoever in my back since. Right. I mean, it's like, like he said, it literally takes over your everything. You know, it's like I was in chronic pain all the time. I wow, couldn't sleep. Wow, I'm sleep. Wow. I have slept every night so good, Come like too good. <laughs> like don't want to get up good, <laughs> you know. And that's that's awesome. I mean, it's 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 such a relief. Amen. Like it's God is good. Amen. Well, listen, whatever God heals you of or delivers you from. You should have compassion on a person that's talking about that same thing. Man, I have back trouble. I, I don't see if God healed my back. And so if somebody mentions back trouble, I'm on it. I'm just waiting for the moment. Uh, you know, I have compassion. What you got, Mary? Let's speak it out loud. So God moves in Walmart, is that what you're saying? In the makeup. Amen. What you got? Well, I just want to say first off, I just I'm so glad to be back home. At my you know Amen. my in my church. 
so glad to be back home. Um, well, uh, this week um, I work at the Port Island Community Center, Parks and Recreation, and uh, we had this guy, we do commodities like every like three months, I think, and uh, we had this guy, he was working for Humana, and he was sitting at this, he was standing at the table, and he was, he had his, put his table by like the men's bathroom, and uh, I went out the office and went to go use the bathroom, and like I walked past him, didn't really, you know, didn't feel anything at first, and then I went and used the bathroom, you know, and then after I was, after I was done using the bathroom, I came out, and I walked past him again, and the Lord said, tell him, and I was like, okay, okay, God, whatever, so I introduced myself to him, I said, my name is Kyle, I said, nice to meet you, I said, what's your name, he said, my name is Chris, I said, okay, I said, so what do you do, like, what are you, like, what are you, what are you doing here, he said, man, he said, I'm, I work for, you know, working for Humana, I'm just, you know, working on, you know, this table, and I said, is this your first time, you know, in the community center, and he goes, yeah, first time ever, you know, being here, he's from Baton Rouge, he said, first time ever coming to Port Allen, you know, first time ever being in the community center, and I said, well, I said, if you don't mind, I said, I have a quick question I want to ask you, and he goes, okay, I said, has anybody ever told you that God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life? And he was like, yeah, I've heard that before. <laughs> and I said, well, I have one more question for you. I said, so if you were to die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you go to heaven? And he like, just stared at me. And he goes, I don't know. And I said, well, the Bible says that you can know. I said, the Bible, the Bible says that you can know that you have eternal life. I said, how did you get in this building? He said, I came in through that door right there. <laughs> and I said, so I said, have you ever, like, accepted Jesus? I said, oh, I said how do you think that you get to heaven? Like, what, what do you think qualifies you to get to heaven? And he was like, oh, man, you know, if you do good things for people, if you help people, and if you believe in God, you're going to heaven. And I said, well, I said, the Bible says that Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. He said, I'm the only way to get to heaven. And I asked him, I said, how did you get into this building? He's like, went through that door. I said, yeah, but you can't go through them doors. The front doors, we keep them locked. I said, the only way that you can get through them doors is if I let you in. I said, so today, the only way that Jesus is going to enter your heart is if you let him in. I said, so would you like for me to pray for you so that I can give you the greatest gift I can give you, which is Jesus? And he goes, yes. So I said, okay, I'm just going to pray for you right now. I said, and whenever I pray for you, you are going to receive Jesus. I love it. That's, that's, I'm like, don't, don't repeat after me. I'm just like, whenever I pray for you, you are going to receive Jesus. And so I prayed for him. I said, Lord Jesus, I pray right now that he opens up his heart to you, God. I pray for everything that's going wrong with his heart, God, everything that's in his life, God, that you, that you take it out right now, God. And I pray right now, if he hasn't received you, that he does right now. And that was it. And I looked at him again. I said, okay, I'm going to ask you one more time. I said, if you were to die today, do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt you make it to heaven? And he goes, yes, sir. And I said, why? He said, because I just received Jesus in my heart. Amen.
sins are forgiven. Okay, Kyle, so you're back, huh? You're back. You're back. So if we don't see you, I'm coming to look for you. You, you got it. Okay. You, you understood. I stood you up in front of the church. You testified about witness for Jesus, and you said you're back. So if I come looking for you and not here, I love you. I'm concerned because you said you're back. So I'm coming to look for you if you're not here. Kind of bold, huh? If anybody makes a commitment to this church, I'm going to hold you to it. Because you made it, not me. <laughs> and I'm responsible. Listen, God gave me an anointing. God gave me an authority to oversee you and to help you, but you're not my sheep. And so I have to use what God gave me to help you. And if it seems like, you know, uh, out of the ordinary, like coming looking for somebody, I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, if you say this is your house, I have to do, I have to come see about you. Right? But if you don't say this is your house, you're kind of a floater. And don't say I'm your pastor, because that just takes it to another level. <laughs> then I get to correct you, rebuke you. This is all church. I had all this done to me. I committed myself. I told people, I'm here. And they look at me like, you here? What does that mean? What do you mean by that? I'd tell them, and then they'd really put the hook in me. You were, you'll be snared by the words that you speak to me. If you never speak to me, you're kind of safe. <laughs> anyway, I don't know where that came from. Lord, help me. Okay, we're going to skip to the bottom of the page. The Bible talks about let your garments always be white. And let your head lack no oil. That's talking about purity. And that's talking about the spirit of holiness. Is it, and I'm, I'm, you know, we've been praying for years that the fear of God just would come on people. It's just the, You know, the fear of God, it's, it's where everything starts. When you reverence God, you put him in his rightful place in your life, the Fear of the Lord. It, it's the beginning of wisdom. It's the beginning of change. It's the beginning of all your development. It's the beginning of growing up and becoming a real disciple of Christ. It's the beginning of you uh, coming into your calling and fulfilling your destiny. The fear of God. Shadabasata. And so we prayed for years that the spirit of holiness would always be on this church. Now, it's always a decision on our part. But the spirit of holiness will just be here. Like Charles Finney would walk in a factory and the anointing that was on his life, it was so powerful, it convicted sinners. And they would just fall on their knees and begin to ask God for forgiveness. Just the spirit of holiness that we carry. 
And uh, there's people in this church carry a spirit of holiness. Some people don't want to be around them because it's, it's convicting, you know, and sometimes people can't look straight into the eyes of those people. They just live in pure spirit of holiness on them. And it's not to scare anybody or to make anybody feel inferior. Man, I'm drawn to, the, to holiness. I'm, I'm magnetized by a pure walk of somebody. Come on, somebody. You know, the pure in heart experience God. The pure in heart, God visits them. They have encounters with God. And that's, they stay pure because they're constantly in the holy of holies, they're near the Lord. Anyway, it says that let your garments, it's something we wear. We should wear holiness. Let your garments always be white and let your head lack no oil. Uh, you know, the garments that Jesus had on on the Mount of Transfiguration, uh, his complexion, his face began to shine bright. And then his clothes shine or shone bright, white. And uh, so anytime we see white, or, you know, we think of angels, we think of the garments that we'll wear in heaven, it's always white. We're washed. We're washed. Our sins were scarlet, red, crimson, red. But now we're washed, and we're as white as driven snow. Anybody ever seen real snow? Not Louisiana muddy snow. <laughs> Real snow, four or five foot of snow on a mountain. You, you get in snow, you, you'll be blinded by the brightness and the white of snow. You, you're blinded by it. And so when Jesus started to glisten on a mount of transfiguration, what was in him now was coming out of him. And what was in him is touching his clothes. And it also touched Peter. James and John, I think it was, around him. The power of God hit them. And so this purity, this holiness, this anointing that we carry, it's very effectual. It, it, can, it can deal with people. I remember the first time I got close to something anointed, uh, a congregation, an assembly. It was at the Catholic Church. Now, I've been a Catholic all my life. Went to Catholic school, went to Catholic uh, church, but I never sensed this on the property of this Catholic church. All my life, never sensed it. And I remember going in this room with all of these believers, spirit-filled believers, and I just couldn't put my hand on what was going on there. It was, it was something beyond me. It's something I never felt before and it actually scared me I, I kind of ran from it because it was unknown to me you know sometimes the unknown is fearful but something in my spirit was telling me all I could register it was it's good but I was unknown so I, I, I couldn't be I had to leave and I remember one day I was going back in that uh, assembly of people and I remember putting my hand on the door, and I knew what was in that room. I knew it was going to be the same feeling, the anointing. It was a congregational anointing, a corporate anointing on these believers. And I remember when I put my hand on that door, I knew it was going to be hard to walk in there. But I knew when I walk in, 
when, when I walk in, when I would walk in, something was going to be broke off of me and a liberty would come. But it was hard. I, I didn't, I didn't want to get close to it. I was afraid of it, you know. I didn't know it was the presence of God. So I opened that door and I walked in and I felt the anointing. I didn't even, I didn't call it the anointing. I didn't call it the presence of God. It was just something I sensed on these believers. And from that day, things started to break off of me because the anointing breaks the yoke. And, uh, you know, my eyes begin to open to things and I begin to receive the word of God that was spoken and I began to change because of the anointing. How about that? Okay, the Bible says in Psalm 92.10, and this is David speaking, but my horn you have exalted like a wild ox. I have been anointed with fresh oil. We're going to talk about fresh oil because sometimes we can get stagnant in the things of God. Uh, years ago when I came out of Bible school, and I started working really hard in the kingdom of God. I was assistant pastor at a church, and I did the books. I mowed the grass. I did the praise and worship. My pastor was sick. I did a lot of the preaching. And it, you know, I mean, it was fun and fresh in the beginning, but it kind of got old. It became work. It became a chore. It became difficult. I didn't sense the presence of God on what I was doing. And so I actually started looking at everybody around me wrong. Like, what's wrong with them? But there was something wrong with me. I had got in this work mode. Uh, you know, I was doing good things, and I was doing what I was told. I was doing what I was asked to do, and I was doing the will of God. But there was no anointing on what I was doing. So I wasn't effective. And so we're going to talk about being effective. And to be effective, you've got to be stimulated. You've got to be activated. You've got you to be awakened. And, and that comes from a fresh anointing. But it talks about a horn. And we know that uh, Samuel, the prophet, took the horn and he went through the eight sons of Jesse. But the anointing wouldn't pour on the ones that Samuel in the natural thought should be king. So the, you know, the anointing knows what it needs to be on and who it needs to be on. There's an anointing for things that we do. Y'all know Grace singing? She has an anointing. It's beyond a gift. It's an anointing on the gift. Do you have that picture of Susan's painting? Watch this. My wife's an artist. She's always been an artist, but now she's an anointed artist. Oh, my God. And so that picture is beyond just a picture. I, I just sense the, it. Y'all see the anointing on the picture? You have, to see, you have to sense and have spiritual eyes to see the anointing on that picture. It's angelic, and it's not the little dress the girl's wearing. That's my granddaughter, Ava, for Sue's sake. But, and so God anoints what we do for him or what he's called us to do. 
I'm anointed to pastor. Some people are just anointed to serve. Some people are anointed to be administrators in the church. They drive me crazy, but they have an anointing to do it. They have structure. They have planning. What you laughing at? Don't you laugh. But they have an anointing to help. And so everybody's anointed to do something to enhance the whole body of Christ. Isn't that good? And so the Bible, it says, but my horn you have exalted. And so the horn represents strength. And it talks about, uh, it, it's talking about that the righteous will be exalted in strength or in the anointing. So you understand we're seen, uh, well, we're not seen by the world, but we're sensed by the world because of the anointing on our life. It's, it's, it's the way God exalts us. He anoints us. That's how he exalts us. But it's, it's for his work, and it's his anointing, and it's for his will and his purposes. It's really not for us. And so, but that's the way he exalts us. We submit, and he anoints us, and he empowers us, and he gives us his ability and his approval to do his will. Isn't that good? And then it says he exalts us like a wild ox. Got any wild oxes in here? It's, it's ox, any kind of wild bull, ox, water buffalo. I mean, you will not believe the strength in a wild buffalo or a wild ox. I mean, I watched a video not long ago about a 700-pound lion came and tried to, you know, a, a three or four of them were trying to take down an ox. So the line gets close, and he hooks that line with his horn, and he just throws the line about 20, 25 foot. Just the, the strength in the neck. And so that wild beast or that animal, the horn is its strength. And so we're the horn of God. Come on, toot a little bit. You understand? But it's his strength inside of us. And he's anointed us with fresh oil. The literal Hebrew translation uh, states that this strength cannot be conquered. We talk about that. We're more than conqueror. Why? Because we can't be conquered. My wife is more than a conqueror. I work all week. I get the check. I give it to her. She spends it. She's more than a conqueror. Y'all will get that later. In other words, Jesus did it all, and he gave it to us, authority, the anointing, the ability, his power, his strength. And so we can't be conquered. I said we can't be, depression's not going to conquer you. You know, no identity, that's not going to have you. Loneliness is not going to conquer you. Sickness is not going to have you. You're not going to be conquered by anything on this planet. Come on, somebody. So it's called fresh oil. Fresh oil. I remember when I got out of college, couldn't get a job, had to work on an oil rig, had a chip on my shoulder, thought somebody owed me something because I had a degree, but I couldn't get a job. So for two or three years, I did whatever I had to do 
to make some money to take care of my family. But I had this attitude, bad attitude, like somebody owes me something. And then finally, I guess because my wife was praying, I got the dream job. I was hired as a forester. Now, I'll never forget the day I got hired. I mean, $17,000 a year. <laughs> and all the benefits and a brand new four-wheel drive truck. I mean, I felt so good. I think I went and got a beer or something. I felt so good. <laughs> Y'all know when you just feel good? Just feel good. Now, this is the natural. This is the natural. Well, that's what the fresh anointing does. It just lifts you up. And, man, nothing could be right. You may not have got what you thought you should have, but just when you got that fresh anointing on you, it's just fresh. Anybody ever eat lettuce fresh and it's crispy and it's clean and you can hear it? How many of y'all leave your lettuce out for a week and then eat it? It's not fresh. And so a fresh anointing, when you get a fresh anointing, there's this oil of gladness that comes on you. You, you feel invincible, but it's God in you. It's not you. I mean, you feel so certain about things, and you love everybody. You love your enemies when the fresh oil comes on you. You just love everybody. And I mean, if somebody attacks you, you feel sorry for them. And you, you know this giving spirit comes on you. I mean, I'm telling you, when, that, when I get this fresh anointing, the giving spirit comes on me. It's there, but the fresh anointing, you want to give stuff away. And so, you know, you guys that need things, just be looking for that fresh anointing and, and just, you, no, don't do, don't. I had a guy years ago, he would sense that thing come on me and he would get close to me. Every time, that's the only time he got close to me. I'll tell you his name later. But that's the only time he'd get close to me is when that fresh anointing came on me because he knew I was going to give something away because I had given him a guitar. I gave him my amp. I just, whatever people need, you just start giving it away. That's why in the early church, man, you know, they'd begin to pray. They'd all get filled with the Holy Spirit. The place would start to shake. This boldness would come on them. They'd go preach the gospel everywhere. And even at that same time, everybody had all their needs met because they would sell their possessions and they'd just give people what they needed. That'd be a scary service to be in for some of y'all. I know that. <laughs> Somebody say fresh anointing. fresh anointing. A fresh anointing. Let's see what the fresh anointing. It's like a tool that's sharp. You know, sometimes I use a chisel, and there's nothing like a sharp chisel. I mean, you just barely tap that hammer, hit that chisel with the hammer. It cuts that wood so perfect. You can cut a perfect notch out. It just looks precise. But a dull chisel, it, it, just, it just doesn't work. But anyway, look, listen to this. We need fresh oil. Say we need fresh oil. That's why we change the oil in our vehicles. It, it gets, what's the word? Sludgy. Sludgy. You know, there could be some, uh, some particles, there could be some shavings off the engine. I don't know. 
It's just the oil doesn't, doesn't have its ability any longer to, to lubricate or to cool or whatever it does because it's, it's just you ever fry fish in the same oil over and over and over. You fry your shrimp, you fry your onions, you fry your crawfish. You understand, then it's just nothing tastes good because you need fresh oil. The best fish, best shrimp is fried in fresh oil. We need fresh oil. What happens, what happens when you hit a slump in your Christian life or in your ministry? You're still living for God, still praying, still reading your Bible, still singing in church, still preaching maybe if you're a preacher. But it's become a drag, drudgery. You feel dry. You feel flat. You ever drink a Coke and it's just the top been off too long? Who wants it? I like the fizz. Huh? You can't even shake it up. It still won't do anything. It lost its fizz. And so that's, you know, when you, when you, you need fresh oil so you have this fizz. You have, it's a fire. Yeah, it's shika, basa. Y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. But you can lose that as a Christian. Why? What is it? What's wrong? It's the lack of fresh oil. What you need is fresh oil, a fresh anointing. Wow. There is a desperate need today for the anointing. We all need fresh oil and anointing from heaven to accomplish the purposes of God. While there may be one initial baptism in the Holy Spirit, one initial overwhelming experience, there are hundreds of fresh infillings and refillings of the Holy Spirit available to all believers. That's what happened to many people in this church this past weekend. And it had a lot to do with being saturated. And I know it's not easy. And I know it takes a lot of time. And I know you have to put some things down. I know you have to rearrange your schedule, but it's worth it. Is it worth it, Chris? Absolutely. Is it worth, was it worth it to get healed, Ray? And now you have a, a envie to want to pray for people to get healed. It's just, it's just worth it. Listen, there's a, I'm going to just, you don't have to put it up there, but there's a story that Jesus tells in the Bible, and he says, you fathers, He's talking to fathers, or he's, he's giving an example of a father. If your son asked for bread, would you give him a stone? If he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? Or if he asked for an egg, would you give him a scorpion? And Jesus says, of course not. You wouldn't do that. Any good father would not intentionally give his son something that would harm him or hinder him in any kind of way. Isn't that right? I mean, if the guy's got any sense, he would not do that. And so this is what Jesus says. You being evil, he's speaking to us, or us still having the ability to sin, you being evil, how much more will your heavenly father Give the Holy Spirit to those that ask. This is a main scripture right here. 
This is so important right here. You don't have to have any prerequisites for a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. You don't have to work yourself in a frenzy. I know I work y'all in a frenzy uh, in praise and worship the other day. I knew I would. It's, it's like just throwing a piece of meat out to a bunch of dogs. Out but listen... And that was all fun. I think it was anointed. And, uh, but anyway, a fresh anointing, it needs no prerequisite, none. You don't have to be educated. You don't have to, uh, it's not based on what you did wrong or what you did right. It's not based on who you know or who you don't know. It's not based on whether you have money today or don't have money today. It doesn't, it, it, it's not based on your social status. It does, it's not based on if you graduated or you're struggling in school. All it's based on is asking. That's major. That's major. Isn't that good? Did y'all see that? He'll give you the Holy Spirit to those. He'll give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. You don't have to pray. You don't have to tarry. You don't have to do flips. We don't have to do six worship songs. All you do is ask. You ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit and these continuous infillings, refillings, you just ask. And sometimes, you know, when we flat, we're flat. We're wondering, what's wrong? We're, we're running, you know, what's wrong with everybody else? <laughs> you know, because when you flat, you're seeing everybody wrong because you're feeling wrong. You're not on your edge. And that word right there tells me you just ask. That, that's, that's so simple. Ask and you'll receive. Seek, you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. That scripture, the preface of that scripture was a man came to a friend's house and he wanted some bread for a friend that stopped by his house. Y'all get that? A man had a friend come to his house and he didn't have anything to feed him, so he went to his friend's house, knocked on the door middle of the night, I guess, and the man, his friend, all the kids are in bed, and he basically said, you know, go away. You know, this is not important to me right now. <laughs> and so the guy persisted. And because he persisted, the man gave him some food for his friend. And so you just have to ask. And if you're not filled right away or touched right away, be persistent. Lord, you, you promise for everyone who asks receives. And who seeks, find. Y'all here? This, the, the ball's in our court. You want to stay on the cutting edge in your ministry, in your place, in what God has called you to do? You have to stay anointed. You have to, you have to stay filled with fresh oil. Y'all okay with that? Fresh oil. 
And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. That's Acts 2, 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they were assembled together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled before, but they're getting filled again. And they spoke the word of God with boldness. And the Bible says, and do not be drunk with wine, which is dissipation, dissipation, which is self-indulgence. Listen, that story I just told you that Jesus told, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about food. That was the common staple then, fish, bread. What was the other one? Fish, bread. Fish bread. Not one. Fish bread. Egg. Now, I mean, fish, bread, and egg. You can find that anywhere in the world. And a chicken. I'll tell you, you can find a chicken anywhere in the world. It's safe to eat chicken, fried, anywhere in the world. They all do it the same. But he's talking about food. If a son would ask a father for food, wouldn't you give it to him? And so the Lord showed me he's speaking spiritual. The Holy Spirit is what we need to energize us. It's the intake. It's the essential that we need to stay alive. I don't think y'all got that. It's our substance. It's what we need is an infilling of the Holy Spirit. More than we need food. More than we need bread. More than we need crawfish. We need the Holy Spirit. I'm telling you, whenever you're running into a problem, just go to the Lord and ask him to begin to speak to you. And we have five or six things that we do that we can stay in the fresh anointing. And I'm going to just throw them out that real quick because it's getting late. But tonight you can get that fresh oil. And I'm telling you, you look better. We all look better with fresh oil. I mean, we look better. Your hair looks better, your teeth look better, your faith looks better. And there's a joy of gladness that comes with it. We're at, we're at our best in a fresh anointing. And we ask, you know, I mean, Miss Shelley's been telling everybody to be prayed up to come to church. Well, you need to be prayed up in whatever you're doing. You need, I mean, if you're doing children's church, you need to be prayed up. I need to be prayed up. I don't need to just stand up here and just say something. I want to say something in the anointing that it penetrates and it gets somewhere. And the word doesn't return void, but it accomplishes what it's sent to do. Okay, real quick, we're going to go over just maybe five things to receive a fresh touch from God daily. You need a fresh touch every morning. And you may not have much time, but you need to spend some time with the Lord every morning. And the first thing we have here is a consistent prayer life and daily communion with God. A consistent prayer life. Meet with the Lord every day. Don't miss a day. I, I read, I meet with the Lord every day. I get up before Susan because when she comes in, she's got her little routine I got to do. <laughs> baby we gotta read the word the one year bible that's her i get up early and i'm already started i'm in the word i'm in the face of god 
and I can't wait to get up. Man, I get up early. I can't wait to get with the Lord because he speaks to me. He gives me bread for the day. And I mean, I'm just, I'm just receiving from the Lord. I'm, I'm chewing on what he's given me. It's an intake. I feel it's essential that I have this every morning that I can be effective. And I could, be, I, could, I could be everything I need to be for him in that day. So you need a consistent prayer life. And that's, that's just communion with the Lord. I don't know when I say prayer, it's talking with God. That's all it is. You're talking with the Lord. Now, when I start studying the word, it's him and I working together. We're communing together. But sometimes it's just getting before the Lord, just letting the Lord speak to me. Hey, God, how you doing? Hey, Father, what's up? I'm your son, you remember? You know what's, up, you know what's confronting me today? He knows. You don't have to tell him. But anyway, interaction with the Father in the name of Jesus via the Holy Spirit. Number two, living a lifestyle of purity and holiness. We just talked about that. Wear these white linens. Purity, purity to the pure and to the pure, everything is pure. See that fresh anointing? You're in the purity of God. I mean, man, when God touches you and you're in that fresh anointing, you don't want to sin. You're not thinking about sin. You, you compromise is not even on the books. You know, you'll be quick to forgive people when the Spirit brings it up. You don't want anything on your calendar. You don't want anything on your agenda that's not the will of God. And so that fresh oil, just it's just holy, holy. Jesus said, be holy as I am holy. Well, you hang around what's holy, you'll become holy. You'll become what you behold. So a lifestyle of purity and holiness. Spending time reading, studying, meditating the word of God. That's Hebrews 4, 12. The word of God is powerful. Be a fervent worshiper. A fervent worshiper. That, I mean, just a few minutes tonight with Brother Clayton. His praise and worship is anointed. I just step right in it. It's different. I know y'all struggle with it. They struggle with different. They, they really do. Everybody in this church, once we get going on one track, oh, man, don't get me off that like that. <laughs> Did I tell y'all when Rachel started here? I had to fight for Rachel. Nobody liked to praise and worship. Nobody. Nobody liked it. I don't even know if y'all liked it. Everybody, everybody, well, why is she, what's she doing up there? And so, you know, after a while, I told y'all about the lady that, I, you know, I, I started doing the praise and worship at this church. Who heard it? Anyway, I started doing praise and worship at this church, and uh, the other guy was tremendous. He was a, boy, he was a good praise and worship leader, still today. And so I'm like second string, I guess, in everybody's eyes. I'm the new kid on the block, so I do my praise and worship. Miss Betty Goose, y'all know Miss Betty Goose? She walked straight up to me, and she said, I don't like the way you do praise and worship. <laughs> you better have a fresh anointing when somebody tells you that or you'll scratch their eyes out. She said, I don't like the way you do praise and worship because it's different. And so I did praise and worship there. You know, after about six months, she loved me. 
Oh, I just love the way you do praise and worship. <laughs> How did the story go? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And so I left. I'm, God called me back to where I was. And, uh, of course, the next praise and worship leader that got that, she walked up to that person after the first day and said, I don't like the way you do praise and worship. I like the way Brother Bush does it. You're not, you don't do it as good as him. And so don't make different difficult. I, I saw people were struggling here with the different praise and worship groups. And, of course, I have, you know, I like, I got my favorites. <laughs> but it was all different and it was all good. And it's anointed, but it's just different. And if you just close your eyes, put your eyes on the Lord, you just fall right into it. And I find when something different is happening, I just really concentrate on the Lord. I go to different churches. It's not like this. And I'm wondering, what's wrong with these people? Well, it's different. And so I have to get my eyes on Jesus. I have to work with people. And if I keep my eyes on Jesus, keep my heart pure, all of a sudden an anointing will come on me. And then I can become a chameleon. I can become all things to all men that we can get some stuff done. It's the anointing. It's the game changer. It makes the difference. The anointing. Uh, oh, a fervent worshiper. You know, Jesus walked up on this lady. She got very religious, the lady at the well. And she said, you know, my fathers, we worship on this mountain over here. And you Jews, y'all worship in Jerusalem at that temple. And uh, Jesus got her straight. He said, there's a time coming. And he said, now is the time. And it would no longer be on a mountain or in a temple because the Father's looking for true worshipers, people that would worship in spirit and truth. Now, this is not a service. I'm not talking about a church service. I'm talking about worshipers that will walk throughout the day and live in the spirit and live in truth. That's true worship to God. Now, we come here, we'll do a meeting, we'll have a session, but true worship is a lifestyle, your heart before the Lord. And, but start in the morning. Just lift your hands for a minute or two and just surrender to the Lord again and say, Lord, your presence, I want your presence to be like heaven in my house this morning. Get, get heaven in your house. It will change your whole day. The people that you're struggling with at work or during the day, you'll have a di they may not change, but you'll have a different perspective. You, you'll have something on you that can't be conquered. And you know when you're attacked, you won't attack back. Because somebody sent us a picture today with attack over their head and saying they're being attacked. Under attack. Under attack. <laughs> I'm like, cheesy, cheesy, cheesy. <laughs> Listen, God will show you things in your time with him. It'll change your life. It'll change your perspective. It'll change your agenda. You'll replan your life. 
You'll begin to get away from some people and get closer to other people. You'll step in your call. I'm telling you, an encounter with the Lord on a daily basis will make us all look better. There'll be less strife in the church because it'll be unity in the spirit. You're in the spirit. You come to church. Everybody else is in the spirit and it's a bond of peace. Nobody can break us apart. We're all in agreement and God will just move. Come on, somebody. It'll be like an upper room experience. Being committed to walking in God's love. The love of God releases the power of God. He shed abroad. We, we read it or talk about, talked about it. He shed his love abroad in our heart. It's in our, he put his love in our heart by the Holy Ghost. So guess what? When you get this new infilling, this fresh anointing, you get the fresh touch of his love. And I'm telling you, when we... When we get this fresh anointing and then we, 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 <laughs> we receive the love of the Father and we just, you get all, you, you ever watch people engaged? It's ridiculous. It's like, go get a room, you know, go get a room. I mean, they like all up on everybody and kissing and looking and saying all these stuff. You know what I'm talking about? That's, that's what you do when you're in love. Yeah. That, you know, you put a value on your partner, and it's like you don't want to be a... I used to hitchhike to go see Susan. It didn't matter. It, I'd do whatever I had to do to get close to Susan. And I'd stay there. I'd sit on the couch just doing nothing just to be by Susan. While her daddy's in the other room looking through a mirror... Right there where I'm sitting on the so I'm just like this, but I'm by Susan. I'm by Susan. But that fresh anointing puts a, the love of the Father in us. And I'm telling you, when we got the love of the Father in us, we like, we like big uh, water balloons. We just filled. You know? And if anybody just pokes us, we just wet them with love. We just, we just wet them. We just refresh them. We bring a refreshing wherever we go when we're just full of God's love. And his love begins to compel us to reach out and give people what we got. Come on, somebody. I felt the anointing on that. Taking your place in active service for God and ministering to the needs of people. And so... You know, you, you have to do something with this anointing, this fresh oil. You begin to reach out. You begin to witness. You pray. Listen, when that fresh oil comes on you, your hand's like this. And you, you get like Kevin. You want to witness to anything that moves. Really? That the reason you don't witness is because the fresh anointing is not on you. That's why you don't witness. You don't feel like you don't have to. It's too hard. They're not going to receive. Man, when you get this fresh fire on you, you're not thinking about what they're thinking about. You're thinking about what's fixing to happen to them. You're thinking about they're about to get healed. They're about to get hit. Everybody becomes a candidate to something God has when this fresh anointing comes on you. If, if you don't know what I'm talking about, go back to the joy of your salvation. That was a fresh touch of God. 
But I'm telling you something beyond that. A fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit. I remember years ago we had oil up here and it became rancid. Somebody left the tops off, top off, flies got in there, ants got in there, whatever got in there. You shake it up, it had solids. It looked like oil, but it did not taste. It, I'm not taste. It stunk. Everybody say stunk. It stank. And so we, we get, if we don't have the fresh oil, we just, 